As we celebrate Christmas, we do so with joy. Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse coming up. Join us. Greetings in Christ, and from all of us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, welcome and a very Merry Christmas. As we celebrate this holiday season, the birth of Christ, we do so with joy. As Christians, that's the only way we know, right? We'll be looking at Isaiah chapter 61 as well as Luke chapter 2 for this Christmas message. All I want for Christmas is joy. Our teacher and pastor now, Steve Converse, with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. There's opportunities this time of the year to really evangelize the lost, to reach out with the gospel message. I mean, that's what Christmas is all about. Today's subject is joy. You hear this time of year kids writing Santa letters and all that, and, and uh, this one letter just cracks me up. It says, Dear Santa, there are three little boys who live in our house. There is Jeffrey, he is two. There is David, he is four. And there is Norman, he is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. But Norman is good all of the time. By the way, my name is Norman. <laughs> you know, it's not easy sometimes to wait as younger people for that day to arrive. I don't know what it was like growing up in your house, but my sister-in-law would always go overboard for Christmas. We'd decorate the whole house and we'd have at least one tree, if maybe not two, downstairs, upstairs kind of a situation. Parties going on all the time in our home, people coming over. And it was just such a joyous time of the year. But I remember as kids remembering my sister-in-law getting our gifts and hiding them. And she would be very creative where she would hide them because it was kind of a fun thing to find some of these gifts. You know, we'd look in her closet, we'd look, we'd look everywhere, under the bed. And once in a while, we'd get lucky and hit a gold mine and see actually what we were going to get for Christmas. But I always remember when we did that, opening up that package on Christmas morning was just, it just didn't seem the same, you know, because you knew what was in it. It's not easy to wait, especially when we're expecting something really, really exciting. Most of you have heard, or maybe you haven't, you've heard the song, definitely, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. But maybe you don't know that that song is about a little girl who was literally lamenting the loss of her two front teeth. It was written by a music teacher in 1944 after asking his class what they wanted for Christmas. And we know the line, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth, but here's part of the rest of the song. Everybody stops and stares at me. These two teeth are gone, as you can see. I don't know just who to blame for this catastrophe, but my one wish on Christmas Eve is plain as it can be. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. My two front teeth, see my two front teeth. Most people this time of year are wishing for something, a little more than their two front teeth, hopefully. And sometimes we long for things that we don't have. Maybe in your own heart this morning, you could sit there and say, you know, if I only had this, then we could be happy. Sometimes we reach for things that are just simply not within our grasp, they're elusive. and Sometimes that causes some unnerving feelings to set in, depression, whatever it may be. And I think sometimes we've forgotten that it is Merry Christmas. This is the time of the year 
that we should especially, as believers, have the joy of the Lord in our heart. But a lot of times this time of year, we're, we're craving for something. We, we want something, you know, we want that special gift, and we're trying to find that special gift. The prophet Isaiah, some 700 years before Jesus was born, brought a message that contained both bad news and good news. Bad news of judgment. You can turn over to Isaiah chapter 61. We just want to look at this verse briefly. Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3. He brought a message of both good news and bad news. This was 700 some years before Jesus was even born. The bad news was judgment. The good news was joy, peace, forgiveness, and hope. And I just want to read this portion of scripture for you. And as I read it, I'm just going to point out to you where I think these four themes as far as joy, peace, forgiveness, and hope fit within that scripture. It says there in Isaiah 61 verse 1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. I think that's a joyous event. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring them peace, to proclaim freedom for the captives, that would be through forgiveness, and to release the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That should give us hope. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness. And oil in the Bible designates joy. Instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Today I want to focus on that first thing, joy. Isaiah looks ahead in time when these glad tidings will be preached to the sad, to the sorrowful, to the depressed, to the despondent. And it says there that he will proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This was a promise of, of joyful jubilee, you might say. I mean, this had to be good news to those who were just grieving in their hearts. It says there that they're to bring a garment of praise and that that would replace what they would have is a sackcloth of sadness. Ashes in the Bible represents grieving, anguish, turmoil, while oil always in the Bible represents joy. And so you see the contrast here. God's people had really at this point in time just been overwhelmed and been pummeled with problems. And yet in the midst of the mess they found themselves in, these words filled them for a longing for something more. They had waited a long time for this special gift. Just like little kids wait for Christmas Day. God's people waited for this special gift from God. And it was proclaimed through the prophet Isaiah that one day the Messiah would come. I heard a, read a little illustration of a lady who at the last minute, a couple days before Christmas, she forgot she didn't send out any Christmas cards. She had always sent out Christmas cards. She knew the people that she was sending them to were expecting these Christmas cards. So she ran by and she found this box of 50 cards and she didn't even read these Christmas cards, you know. And they were all the same and they were the cheapest ones on the shelf. So she just grabbed them. She ran home. She got her pen out. She just started signing these things. And she sent out about 49 of them. Got them in the mail and then she felt, okay, good. At least I'll get the Christmas card the next day before Christmas. That'd be great. And as she was going to bed that evening, she looked at one of the the 50th card that she hadn't sent because she didn't need to and it was on her nightstand and she thought I'm going to look at this and she looked at it and 
the outside it said Merry Christmas, blessings to you. She thought she opened it up and on the inside it said, this is just to say a special gift is on the way. <laughs> she sent out 49 of these things. See, sometimes at this time of the year, we get overwhelmed with doing certain tasks and we don't even think about it. Turn over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Because I want to share something with you this morning. Fast forward from the time of Isaiah, when this is all prophesied to happen, to a hillside outside of Bethlehem. And imagine the cool of the evening. And look at verse 8 of chapter 2, the Gospel of Luke. It says, in the, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I just want us to focus this morning on a couple words here in this scene to kind of set things up. I want to look at really the, the, the method here that God uses to proclaim his son. First of all, that word night, it says there that shepherds were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Um, you know, that was... That was when they needed to be watching the flock. That was when the wolves or whatever would be out there wanting to take one of their flock away from them would be on the prowl. You know, I can't help to think that today, in the day and age we live, at, live in today, um, when I think of that word night, I think of darkness. I think of a picture of the human race apart from Christ Spiritual darkness has covered the earth for years. And now, here in this situation, as we know it, Satan's head is about to be crushed with the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Recovery of sight for the blind is about to occur. The long, long night that they've lived in all these years, apart from Christ, is about to be over. It's about to end. Instead of this deep darkness and a hush from heaven, light is about to appear. This is Zechariah's prophecy. And if you look over in, in Luke chapter uh, 1, just turn a page back, verse 79, he says, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. See, that's the, the rising sun that's come from heaven, and that's his purpose, to shine on those who live in darkness. Beloved, we've all been there. Maybe we're still there in the darkness. I know growing up in a, in a church that was filled with erroneous teaching, idolism. I remember when I first heard the gospel, I just thought, wow, this, is this true? Because if this is true, what I'm doing right now isn't. <laughs> I could see very clearly the, the, the lines of demarcation. Because the church I was raised in said, no, you just be a good little boy and you do what the church tells you to do and everything will be just fine. And you just keep working at it. And eventually, you'll work your way into heaven. That's what I was told. 
But then I heard the gospel, and the gospel said, no, it's just the opposite. You can't work your way into heaven. You can never work your way into heaven. The only way you're going to get to heaven is by the grace of God, believing in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, accepting his sacrifice that he made for you on Calvary in your, on your behalf. And I remember the day when I committed my life to Christ, and it wasn't, I wasn't real emotional about it. It just seemed like the right thing to do, but I remember feeling this overwhelming burden like lifted off me like wow now I understand the truth and it's as if someone took me out of a dark room where there was no light out into the sunshine and for the first time I could see God's intent and God's purpose and God's plan for my life see the night is really a picture of spiritual darkness and if you don't know Christ, you're in spiritual darkness. Secondly, the second word there, it speaks of light. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appears in a flash of light. It says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. I mean, can you imagine being in that place? You're out just watching your flock and all of a sudden, boom, out of the darkness, there's this bright light. And it's the glory of the Lord. I mean, I don't know what the glory of the Lord looks like. I've never seen it. But I can only imagine it must be just incredibly bright. You know, nowadays they have the new, if you go out and you, you get some uh, Christmas lights. You know, these kind of lights are kind of a thing of the past now. Now they got the new LED lights, right? And the new LED lights, they're just, to me, they're just too bright. You know what I'm saying? They're just, they're just overwhelmingly bright. I mean, I, I kind of like the old-fashioned ones. So I don't know what the glory of the Lord looked like, but it was shining all around them. And this is really a picture of, of the, the light of the Holy Spirit that he illuminates our life with his convicting work. In Isaiah chapter 9, I'm reminded of a prophecy in chapter 9, verse 2. It says this, The people walking in darkness, Isaiah 9, 2, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. I don't know if you have come into the light yet. I don't know if you've embraced Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't know where you're at spiritually. That's between you and God. But I do know that if you haven't done that, if you haven't committed your life to Christ, you're in darkness. The Bible makes no qualms about that. You're removed from God himself. There's an obstacle of sin between you and your Creator. That's why God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to take on our sin upon himself. Maybe you've been exposed to the light, but you haven't embraced it. Third word here is fright. <laughs> and you look at verse 9, as most of us probably would be, it says there, the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with what? Fear. Fear. They were terrified. Another way of putting it. This wasn't a casual night out with the, the flock on the, the hills surrounding Bethlehem. This word means that they were alarmed. They were agitated. The King James, I like that translation. It says they were sore afraid. <laughs> you know, fear and fright just filled them. That's what happens when you're exposed to the kind of light that God is dishing out. One pastor said this, sitting in darkness, sitting in the darkness of sin may have been spooky, but it was tolerable. 
But suddenly the glory of God's absolute holiness shines in your sin-blackened heart. And suddenly you become undone. That's what happens when we're faced with the glory and the holiness of God. You know, we've, we've lost the understanding of what it means to serve a holy God. I think, you know, so many churches today, they think of God as the man upstairs, you know, white-haired guy that's just nice all the time, loving. God is holy, beloved. He is totally 100% holy. And we are not. And if we were to be ushered into his presence in that situation, we would definitely be filled with fear. It's only because of the grace that we find through the Lord Jesus Christ that we, the Bible says, we will stand before and come boldly before the throne of grace. Not because of who we are, but because of who Christ was and the work that he did on Calvary for us. And look at what the angels say to him here. Very first thing, the angel said to them, Fear not. <laughs> the last word here, everything's going to be all right. Just, just hold on. I know this would just really, really freak you out, shepherds, but hold on. And almost immediately, the angel is comforting them. Fear not. Everything's going to be okay. Do not be afraid. As they're going through this process of night, light, fright, the angel comes and says, you know what? Everything is going to be just fine. Everything is going to be all right. When the angel showed up in the Bible, I mean, sometimes people today have a different idea of what angels are. In a lot of Christianity, I think people actually worship angels, unbeknownst to them even. Angels are always men in the Bible. There's no female angels. And when angels are always, when they, whenever they confronted mankind, the immediate reaction was always fear. Because it's a supernatural being. They were always filled with fear. And the angel would always respond, usually, fear not. Another thing is, the angels always communicated in a way that was understandable. Some churches teach, well, you, you know, they believe in the, the gifts of the Spirit to the extent of tongues as for today, and people speak in different languages, and they say, well, that's, it's angel talk. It's, it's the talk of angels. Because Paul said, you know, I'd rather speak so many words and angels and speak, you know, and they take that and they take it out of context and they say, well, angels must speak a certain secret language. No, they don't. Wherever in the Bible an angel speaks, he's perfectly, totally understood by whoever is hearing him. And so he says, don't be afraid. Because usually the angels were often messengers of wrath. When an angel showed up, usually bad news was often part of the deal. That's just the way it was. But this time here... With these shepherds, it was a little different. I looked up on my computer, my software, the words fear not. It's interesting that they appear 365 times in the Bible. One for every day. <laughs> One for every day. As Christians, fear is not to be part of our lives. You know, fear is, is something that can just paralyze us at times. And, and here, the angel's response was, hey, don't be afraid. This is, this is going to be... A good message. And that's the next point here. What's the message that he gives? Well, the first thing is good news. As the angel appears to these shepherds who are just, you know, they're just out on the hillside doing their job. These aren't anybody special. They're kind of the lower part of society, to be honest. But his concern, first of all, was to calm them down because they were simply terrified. You know, it's not every day you run into an angel. And so 
The reason they did not have to tremble was because the angel was about to make an incredible announcement. And that's what he says. After he says, fear not, verse 10, he says, I bring you what? Good news of great joy. Bring you good news. That phrase means to announce, to declare, to show. Uh, we use the word to evangelize. Evangel is good news. It's the word from which we get the gospel. The gospel is good news. So many times I think Christians think the gospel is not good news because we don't share it as often as we should. I mean, there's a lot of good news in the world, but so many times we're focused on the bad news. I mean, just stop and think of your own life. Are you more apt to go to the good part or the bad part? Usually we go to the bad part. I don't know. Not doing that well health-wise. I'm not, you know, well, the good news is, you know what? You're still breathing. You're still here with this. That's good news. And the good news is, is, you know what? You'll die on time. Everybody dies on time. God is sovereign. God controls all that. We don't need to worry about those kind of things. Talked to my brother Tom when I was back there, and he's got cancer in his spine. He's not doing too well now. I appreciate your prayers for him. But he was always been a guy that, uh, I mean, he entered the Marine Corps when he was 17. He had to have dad sign the thing so he could go. He was just a short little guy, but just a powerhouse of an individual. And he's always had, you know, two, three, four jobs. He's an auto mechanic. He had a refrigeration business. He owns a farm. He, he's just a really, really hardworking individual. And his wife was telling me that it's hard, so hard to see him now because you know, between the radiation and the chemo and everything else they're giving him, trying to get this thing under control. Um, I mean, eventually it's, you know, it's going to take his life. That's what's going to happen. Um, but the good thing is, is he's ready. He knows the Lord. He's lived a good life. He even has the opportunity to sell off a lot of the, the stuff, the farm equipment and everything, so it's not a burden to his wife after he's gone. God's granted him that grace. I mean, I don't know when he'll pass, but I told him when I was back there, I said, you know what? You look pretty good. And he says, well, the doctor says it's not too good. And I said, you know what? Everybody dies on time, Tom. Everybody dies on time. You're not going to die a second before God calls you home. And he knows that. But see, this is good news. They're making a proclamation here of good news. And sometimes we need to stop and we need to refocus our lives and get out of the doldrums and the depressed and, and the, you know, all that stuff and say, you know what, what's the good that's in my life? What's going on that's good? The good news is only good news when it comes in response to bad news. <laughs> right? The good news is only good news when it comes in response to bad news. So, wow, you go in for a test and, well, the, the readings aren't right and the doctor calls, oh, we got to do some more tests. Well, that's bad news. Nobody likes to hear that. But when you go in and they say, oh, you know what? Oh, something quirky with the test. Everything seems fine. Well, that's good news. But you wouldn't have got the good news if you didn't have hear the bad news first. You know, beloved, the bad news is simply this. We're sinners. <laughs> We're sinners. There's not a person in this building that could stand up and say, I've never sinned. I've never done anything wrong. The good news is that the Savior has been born. And until you understand the depth of our depravity, you understand the depth of our sinfulness, you're not going to appreciate the good news of Christmas. You just won't. We can't appreciate amazing grace until we first have appreciated the fact that as wretches, we deserve the wrath of God. And there's no hope for us outside of Christ. 
The message contains good news. And the great joy won't come until the good news of the gospel settles in our hearts. And the good news is the best news possible. Well, the secret to obtaining joy this holiday season. Thinking of Jesus first, others second, yourself third. J-O-Y. That's how joy comes about. Thank you for joining us on this Christmas edition of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. In fact, if you visit our website, we have our special services for the holiday season we'd like to share with you and invite you to join us for we meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth Program, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, as mentioned, if you would like to join us for worship or celebrating the holidays at one of our special services, simply go to gracefultruth.org for all of the details and directions to our church here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Again, that's gracefultruth.org or simply call 650-366-9923. We trust you'll have a blessed week in Christ as you celebrate his birth with friends and family. And again, from all of us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, on behalf of Steve and his wife and everybody here, Merry Christmas. Until next week, God bless. Mm -hmm.